This is Around the Block with Thabiti Anyabwile. I'm Thabiti Anyabwile, but you can call me Pastor T. Around the Block is a podcast of the Creek Collective. The Creek Collective exists to plant and strengthen gospel churches in neglected and vulnerable black and brown communities. This podcast is dedicated to that same mission. We'll focus on one city each season and talk with Christians doing gospel work with people in vulnerable and neglected places. Our hope? To convince you that God has not forgotten about those people and those places, even if a lot of churches have. And by God's grace, to play some small part in encouraging more of God's people to join God in the margins. Let's get it. Today, we're kicking it with the Reverend Dr. Kendrick Curry, pastor of Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. For about 20 years now, he's been a faithful pastor in the neighborhood I also serve, the southeast section of the city. We begin by talking about the history of our neighborhood from the 1950s to the present. And that history tells the story of early church planting, changing racial demographics, and major social change. Pastor Curry has clearly been a student of his church and the neighborhood. And as we talk, we invite you to think about your own neighborhood's history. Uh, well, Pastor Curry, I'm just really honored that you would join us for this conversation, man, and uh, share with us today. Pastor T, this is amazing. Um, I, w- I would do it for you because you're a man that loves the Lord after God's heart. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you, man. Likewise. So maybe one way we can sort of enter into the conversation is have you tell us a little bit about the history of Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church and who the people of Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church are. Yeah, I love to do that. You know, Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church was founded uh, in 1954, a group from Fountain Memorial Church that was in Northwest came over to uh, Southeast um, and Fountain Memorial was under, um, is named after David Fountain and celebrating his life and ministry. And they came over after voting to found a church along Pennsylvania Avenue. And as they found that church, um, they decided on a location eventually at Pennsylvania and 30th Southeast, purchased property. And in 1954, the same year, the Brown versus Board of Education, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Avenue was started. It actually was started in another location and then uh, um, moved um, by by May of uh, 54. We were in our current location and, and I just uh, loved it. And the history of it is it was founded. It was all white Southern Baptist uh, church, and and the people loved the community. Most of the people lived, worked um, in the D.C. area, and they were all connected um, to all life in D.C. You had your early congressmen, your uh, I mean politicians, and others from D.C. Even before it was a federal, fully a federal enclave, mm. and all of that, and so. You had a number of folk um, that were just part of Pennsylvania Avenue that were made it a great house of worship. Unfortunately, as things changed in life of this uh, of the area, um, we found that people started moving away. 
They started moving the suburbs. They populated Upper Marlboro and the Mitchellville area and Charles County and all of these other places they started moving out. And so between 54 and 68, you start to see the flight to the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And as you see flight to the suburbs, you have more and more of our black and brown brothers and sisters moving in. Primarily our our black brothers or African-American brothers and sisters started moving in and they started occupying. So in that part of Southeast, you had your early black principals and dentists and Mm -hmm. doctors and Mm -hmm. lawyers right there in that Hillcrest and Penn Branch Mm -hmm. area. And it became very much a community-oriented church in Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist. And what we were able uh, to experience through the life and the history is folk living in the neighborhood. They were Mm -hmm. walking to church. Mm -hmm. They were engaging in the community. They were shopping and living and experiencing life in the community. And so pastors, even though they remained white up until um, around— 1999, um, they were still white and they were still going into the community, even though the community was still majority black up to over 90 percent. And they were still having folk come and walk and and experience uh, church life. So, you know, I look back at that. And as the second black pastor of Pennsylvania Avenue coming there in 2003 of November 1st, 2003, All Saints Day, 2003, Mm -hmm. I find myself very much appreciating the legacy and the history of Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Um, It ties in somewhat to my history. I I went to a a majority African-American church growing up, Baptist, um, but had experienced uh, Church of God in Christ, had experienced non-denominational, um, but I was from the Bible Belt, the buckle. Texas mm. is a buckle. I'm Texas, a Dallas, right. native Texan. Yeah. And so I, I could appreciate the history because I, I, I did know something about the history of Southern Baptist mm. because um, even though I went to a, a majority uh, African-American black Baptist church, I knew about W.A. Criswell, First Baptist of Dallas. Yeah. I knew about Truett, right, mm-hmm. at First Baptist of Dallas. I, I you know, they loomed large yeah. in, in the area. So, and I understood some of my theological underpinnings were initially uh, informed by, by them. And so as I looked at Pennsylvania Avenue, it became the perfect fit. Um, it became one where uh, we could reach community, uh, we could begin to look at African-American uh, presence in Southeast and follow the history. And we could look at also flight to the suburbs from our white brothers and sisters and really deal with the reality of how folk want to live. Mm-hmm. And it pointed me to something I think is very important in Christian life as I talk about our church is how do you begin to live in an area that is transforming, that is changing, that experiences displacement. And what does it mean to be a local church with a commuter population? Mm. When the church was founded as a local church, right, with a resident population Mm -hmm. that was pretty much always there, and the church was the center of the community. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I can talk all day, because our church is still a center of community, but it's we're seeing more residential. We've been more residential since I've been there and gotten more 
residential since I've been there. You know, I, I, I think one of the things we need to really uh, talk about in, in this context is that which deals with the commuter patterns. Because mm-hmm. commuter patterns, to some degree, um, are really representative of affluence and wealth as well as you know, the lack thereof. That's right. right? That's right. Um, as we deal with these commuter patterns, the advent of the automobile, and they become more and more affordable mm-hmm. for for the folk to really um, venture out, we started moving out. That's right. Um, but I think the big question that that deals with the life of the church is really, you know, what are these values that drove us toward these particular suburbs. These success factors were adopted or appropriated from those that we modeled our lives from, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, And some of that is grounded and rooted in in our our Christian belief. Other of it is clearly rooted in secularism. But what we find ourselves contending with is an understanding that when we have, we want more, Mm Mm. And I, mm. I, I struggle with that because of the fact that um, that has been a, a, a dominant ethic that we have had to contend with in the, in the life of the church, in the life of Pennsylvania Avenue. So what are our real Christian values? What, mm. what, what is our theology of place, if you will? Mm-hmm. What, how are we contending with dealing with all of the things that are— um, within the context of what we call Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church and the life of the church. And I, I think it's, it's very important that as we pull those threads that you, that you talked about, that we start to look at what had to happen in order um, for Pennsylvania Avenue to exist and to continue to thrive. And that, that deals a lot with Truly, the reconciliation. There was a handoff, mm-hmm. actually, That's right. from those that were white leaders that cared, who their children left, mm-hmm. but they found themselves having responsibility of dealing with their own understanding of issues, mm-hmm. right? Um, and their own understanding of what it meant to deal with racial reconciliation and issues around what it meant to be white, what it meant to be black in in those times, particularly after the 68 uh, riots and all of that. Mm -hmm. And there was a distinct handoff, right? And that handoff also was reflective of the wealth because when 68 happened, I can tell you that the the word is that across the Sousa Bridge, there was a line that was drawn and none of the rioting happened over on that part of Southeast, right? That's right. And as you began to consider that, that was black folk and white folk determining that nothing was going to happen to their mm-hmm. property. Mm-hmm. And they're standing together and in, in dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And and that that sort of ethic right there was very, very important. Um, but what we see afterwards is a shift in ministry that also occurs. Even though we stood together there, we still see the displacement because there's flight to the suburbs, mm-hmm. there's wealth that is leaving that area, there are black folk that are coming in. Some of it, it does replace the wealth because you have early black doctors and lawyers and what have you. And they also have automobiles. Mm-hmm. And then what I find is that literally as we start to talk about the church, the ministry has to shift as well, mm-hmm. right? Because 
the same things that you needed in 54 and 68 are now significantly challenged as you start to move into the latter 60s, into the 70s, and and keep going. So now you have a proliferation of drugs. And now you have those who have raised their families um, some 15, 20 years later in Southeast, the Black doctors and lawyers mm-hmm. are now moving their kids are moving on that's right right that's and right. so when you deal with all that now the ministry is having to improvise adapt and overcome it's improvising in the sense that we're, we're dealing with uncertainty again that's right. we've already dealt that's with right. it earlier mm-hmm. now we're, we're adapting to the circumstances but applying the same gospel principle of trying to be um, Jesus' hand and feet in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. treating everyone as though they're created in the image and likeness of God, mm-hmm. and making sure that we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that looks very different from 54 now into the 70s. Yeah. Because the 70s start to change things, right? You start to have more and more proliferation of drugs. You start to have other sorts of things that are happening. And now our brothers and our sisters sort of get caught up in this maze of 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 really trying to thrive in one sense, but really being captured and caught up by the things of the enemy in the other sense, which which really start us uh, on a on a horrible trajectory no, downward right. and and I see the church as being responsible as initially the white church I would say as Pennsylvania Avenue but now the black church as mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Avenue mm-hmm. trying to undergird and wrap its arms around the community and being that support system that is necessary to show that we are the hand and feet of Christ Amen Pastor Curry just gave us a sweeping history of D.C. and Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church. He put his finger on two important questions, important for me at least. First, what values are driving our decisions as Christians about where we live and how we witness as Christians? Second, how do the large-scale demographic and social changes impact and shape the nature and scope of local church ministry. This leads us to a discussion of of system-level issues that affect neighborhoods and ministries. Uh, Systems has become a dirty word in some Christian circles, but they are reality of life, and the church has to contend with them in marginalized communities. So we're, we're talking about a history and a movement of people that yes, in one sense, is happening on sort of individual levels. Individuals yeah. are making decisions, et cetera. But those decisions are happening in the context of massive social changes yeah. and structural changes and systemic changes, yeah. right? Um, you guys, one of the things that uh, I really love about your leadership uh, and the work you're doing at Pennsylvania Avenue is you've been one of the pastors who has tried to, in a, in a self-conscious and theological way, grapple with the notion of systems and systems change and how do we engage not just the needs of individuals, but how do we actually impact and and maybe address some of these larger factors that are impinging upon the life of individuals. How did you come to that way of thinking and and how are you how are you leading your people through that? You know, it's it's interesting that you raise that. I, I think growing up in Dallas, 
is where I, I first learned my systems because I learned it participating in groups and I started to understand the power of being part of organized groups. My church, Good Street Baptist Church in Dallas, was an organized group. I watched them move from Good and Latimer Street over to uh, Bonneview Road, and I watched how they worked together. I was a part of a Boy Scout troop that was organized, and it helped me at grow into uh, being a man in an organized way at the time, and I became an Eagle Scout and all of that. And then as I as I started to look at organizations and the power that God would put in Christian people that had a mind to work, had a mind to work. then I started to see that that was tremendous. And, and I more formally was trained as an engineer, mm-hmm. which sort of solidified my understanding of systems and design thinking and all of those sorts of things. And so I went through undergraduate in engineering and grad school in engineering. And then as the Lord called me into ministry, it started to make sense that the church is a community of faith. Mm -hmm. What is a community of faith uh, but an organization or organism of live people seeking to raise the question that Jesus did, would you be made whole? Mm -hmm. And so when we think about the wholeness in the context of individuals that come together, that are part of a community, that grapple with the same issues of walking day by day in Christ, then it becomes something that I can't ignore the significance of what it means for a child to go to school in a safe environment. Mm. Mm. I cannot ignore the significance of what it means that when that child goes to school, if they've had to come from a food insecure, an unsafe, poor transportation environment, I have a responsibility to use the system that God put into place called the church. Mm. And neighborhood by neighborhood and neighborhood, community, and citywide begin to look at how we can bring a voice that enables the systemic change so that all thrive and prosper and are in good health. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that has really been my theological mantra, if you, if you follow, that we have this obligation to make sure that the whole person is saved. Mm-hmm. I, I want to systematically eliminate all reasons why you can't follow Jesus Christ and understand and live a kingdom life mm-hmm. so that we can live life and live more abundantly, but not as associated with all of the greed and the scarcity that we often find in communities of color, black communities in particular, I would say, but something that we can begin to do to look at how people are transforming and living their best lives with the greatest potential because they've been transformed by the revealed word of God and the spirit of Christ moving within them, unhindered Mm. by anything that would be a force or a drag. Mm. It's much like when a plane takes off, right? There are three things that are required. There's lift, there's thrust, and there's drag, mm-hmm. right? That that thrust comes from the engine's power of mm-hmm. getting there so that you can arrive at a point 
of of V1. That's the point of no return and takeoff. Um, that so so that thrust is there, and then that lift is what you get because you're moving in such a way that you can overcome. The drag, mm. which is a force that holds you back. Mm. Don't we want in the life of Christ of everyone, somebody that has enough thrust with the power of the Spirit of God mm. to have the right lift and overcome the wiles of the enemy mm. that will drag you down mm. and leave you disenfranchised, disheartened, broken, and marginalized? Mm. Don't we really want to see folks soar to the greatest height? That's what, how the eagle soars. Mm. He's a Able to have the right thrust and get the right lift to overcome the drag, to leave this earth, to fly even above storms when it's there. That's what we want in Christ Jesus. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Amen. but against those principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high right. places. So let's get above that. Mm. Let's teach people to live above with the moral and the ethic that brings about transformation. Let's begin to love our brothers and our sisters with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. And never forget what Jesus has said to live on behalf of others. Amen. That's what he did. And he gave his all to live on behalf of others. That's how he went to the cross, Amen. on behalf of all of us, Amen. that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Raised on the third day, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to do. That's how we transform the community through the love of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Boy, I know that's right. I, I hear the hammer. I hear the hammer. You know, this, I love this, man. Amen. This is what I was called to do. That's the system. Amen. amen. No, I, I love it, man. My, my wife's uh, church she grew up in, uh, in North Carolina, uh, Reverend E.R. McNair, he passed okay. there for, I don't know, 50, 55 years. Yes, and, sir. And whenever a young preacher was preaching and, and they, it started getting good, he said, put your weight on it. Put your weight put on your it. Weight on Lean it. in. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I've heard it. I've heard it. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. Yes, sir. No, I, I love that because in some ways you're painting a picture, gosh, it's a marvelous picture, you know, um, of of sort of a Christian ministry that takes in view the whole of life. Yeah. So you're talking about a child flourishing. Yeah. For that to happen, it's got the family's got to flourish. That's it. That's right? absolutely it. For the it. family to flourish, they need to be connected to the community of without, the church. Without question. The church is happening in a neighborhood. The neighborhood is in a city. All these sort of interlocking levels. Yes. Um, of human activity. Systems. Systems, right? Where we want to see flourishing. It, yeah, ecosystem. Know. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Among the Akan people of Ghana, there's a concept called Sankofa. Sankofa literally means to go back and get. It's often this concept symbolized by a bird flying or walking forward while looking backwards with a golden egg in its mouth. The idea is that there are valuable things in our past that we need to bring forward to our present and future. The folks say it like this, don't forget where you come from. When I asked Pastor Curry how the gospel is faring in our neighborhood, his answer amounted to a Sankofa experience. Listen as he talks about the things we may need to go back and get in order to apply to our present. 
Now, let, let me maybe turn the conversation just a little bit here, um, because we like to talk about sort of <laughs> gospel ecology, the yeah. music yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. Talk with me about your perspective. You've been at Pennsylvania Avenue how long? For 18 years. 18 years, praise God. 19 November. Amen. 19 years, praise God. Talk with me about um, the sort of gospel ecology of the neighborhood as you see it. How Mm -hmm. how is the gospel faring? Yeah, I think the gospel is alive and well. Um, Is it moving and being spread at the rate that I would like? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think... The gospel is, we're having to reteach and reshare what we knew when we didn't have. Mm, mm. So what what I think we're doing is we're we're, we're doing great preaching. Mm. But, you know, someone said, I'd rather see a sermon Mm. than to hear one any day. Mm. I'd rather one to walk with me than to show me the way. Mm. Advice may be misleading, but examples are always clear. Mm. And the very best teachers are the ones who live their creed. So how are we living out the gospel? Mm-hmm. So we can take it in church. We can experience it in our own private devotion. But how do we take it out? Mm-hmm. And I think the notion of old school witnessing and sharing of the good news is missing. Mm. I think the gospel is faring well. Mm-hmm. I think the gospel is going forth, mm-hmm. but it's being housed and confined in ways that are within the wall. We're still doing great revivals. Mm-hmm. We know we've mastered churchmanship, mm-hmm. but have we mastered the gospel in praxis? That's good. That's good. Have we mastered what this is really all about? in a transformative way. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Mm. Can we love folk enough so when they go to a giant and there's a shootout, we can love the person down Mm. from shooting Mm. and then begin to move forward? Mm. What happened to the days of the old mothers and the old fathers that would say, you need to stop and let's go along and do the things the right way. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't even have the spiritual uh wherewithal, I think, anymore. And it's out of fear. But the Lord didn't give us the spirit of fear. Yeah, that's right. But it's out of fear that we don't correct. So I think the gospel, while it's being shared and it's moving, it's not moving at the rate because we're leaving, we're not on public display about an unapologetic gospel Mm -hmm. that just says, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You can remember what Paul said. You know, Paul was bold. I'm not ashamed Mm -hmm. of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Where's our boldness? Mm -hmm. I think that for me is one of the questions that I'm raising, even with even with my own folk, mm. because we were so used to build it and people come, yeah. as opposed to some of the things that, quite frankly, as a little boy, I used to think it always funny when I would see the street preachers. Mm. But the older I get mm-hmm. and the more mature I get in years, I said, that, that 
had a significant purpose right. and still does right. because Jesus is not locked in the church. That's right. Jesus is in that community. Mm -hmm. Jesus is part of a wider ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And if we truly believe in, in that attribute that God is omnipresent, then God is as much in the church as he is in the community and as God is everywhere. And we need to be a visible presence. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm I'm just excited to be able to talk to you about this because this mm -hmm. is this is real stuff. That's right. This is real talk about how we look forward to the transformation of Christ, really, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not, because I don't think the gospel is moving the way that it is because I don't think people are hurting when others hurt. Mm. Mm. When we see enough gun violence, I know the anger. I know the disgust. But at a systems level, we're just crying out about it. Mm -hmm. How do we resolve it? Exactly. What I didn't say earlier is I fully believe that the church is the answer mm. because the church is centered on Christ, and Christ is the answer to the pressing problems in society Amen. so that we can all walk in the garden in, with God in the cool of the evening. And, and we began to understand the significance of it. So the gospel is advancing, I believe, but not at the rate due to the drag, yeah. due to the frictional forces and the retarding forces that seem to hold it. Mm. So I, I, I love that that answer because um, you, you got a little Sankofa in space and you gotta, we got to go back and get Absolutely. some things gotta and go bring back. them forward. Now, what's, what's interesting to me about that, um, that perspective, and I, I agree with you, I do think the gospel is advancing. I also, I agree with you that I do think we have some ministry models yeah. that are yeah. attractional, you yeah. know, kind of come get it yeah. rather than take and tell. Yeah. Uh, and take so and we, need, we need more street evangelism, more mm -hmm. street preaching. Mm -hmm. When I first started hearing the gospel, I was a Muslim on campus. I got it. Not wanting to hear the gospel. Yeah. It was a guy who looked, you, you'll remember this name, who looked like Robert Bork, the yeah. judge. Wow yeah. looking dude, yeah. man, beard, hair. Was it? He came on the campus, would plant his feet in the middle of the courtyard where all yeah. the students were passing and would preach for hours. And I would, I, in my own sinful, dead and sin ways, <laughs> I would be angered by it. I'd stand out there and argue with him and miss class. And, yeah. but, but the Lord was planting seeds. That's it. The Lord was planting seeds and others with water it. and there would be an increase in time. So, so you hit it, right? When you plant a seed, right? And this whole process of photosynthesis and all of that, you, you, you start to realize that this seed actually, when planted, is, is dying. Mm, and right. then it breaks open that's through right. this germination process and through with light and with water in the right nutrients in the soil starts to grow. That's, right. that's what has to happen with that's the right. gospel of that's Jesus exactly. Christ. We need to have some breaking mm -hmm. so there can be some blessing. Amen. And, and, and there's, there's all of that, that that's packed in this so that our community will begin to see and to understand the significance of what it means to live out the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ. Mm. What does it mean to be a Christian? Mm. That's good. You know, they were first called Christians at Antioch. We understand that. But what does it mean to be a Christian in your social context, in the context of society? And what does it mean if the kingdom of God is in us, mm -hmm. 
and about us concurrently at the same time, how do we spread this Basileia Shalom Mm -hmm. into the world? Mm -hmm. It has to infect everybody. Think about this. What happens when we get truly judges that are Christian, Mm -hmm. truly doctors that are Christian, Mm -hmm. truly those that are other engineers and lawyers and others that are Christian and bold with it. Mm. How does that change the policy that's driven? Mm. How does that change the laws that are written? Mm. How does that change how we look at things and the distribution of resources, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because scarcity seems to go away in the kingdom of God to me based on economics, kingdom economics. And so, you don't have to worry about folks starving. I understand the poor will always be with us, but why? Right, amen. amen. And and I think we're not wrestling enough with that question. Amen. The last thing I'll say about that is all of this is really, you know, it intrigues me so much as I as I read scripture, um, particularly Luke chapter four, and everybody knows the part that's quoted out of out of Psalm sixty one, but it's the part that's before that that gets me. And this points to a significant aspect of our lives that we just need to pay attention to. The Bible says to us that Jesus took the scroll, found a place therein, mm-hmm. and he started to read. We can stop right there. Mm-hmm. Jesus could read. read. Amen. <laughs> you, Amen. We need to Amen. pause, pump the brakes. Amen. Jesus could read. Amen. Now, understanding Jewish men and those of the ilk, unless you were part of the aristocracy, most likely you Mm -hmm. did. Jesus could read. Mm -hmm. What does that say for our community? Mm -hmm. Should there ever be anybody in the community that we influence, that if we're sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that can't read? Mm -hmm. Should it be that we need to go back in the Sankofa moment and look at our four parents who were, had hush arbors, could they learn to read the scripture? Yeah. So we're doing, we, we missed some stuff. Mm-hmm. In 2022, we have folk that can't read. And, and I just point to that whole literacy piece because the literacy rate then helps reflect upon those that act out in class, That's that right. those that they're building prisons mm-hmm. by based on the industrial complex, prison industrial complex. What? Yep. Not reading? What can the church do with all the retired teachers and administrators mm-hmm. and all of these? How can we let this happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can push in further to even talk about, let's say that there are 2 million plus orphans worldwide, or 3 million, but there are nearly 100 plus million so-called Christians and beliefs. Why is there a foster care or orphan problem when we have so many believers? It's that the system is misaligned. Mm. It's not designed to expand the kingdom, and we've conformed to the culture as opposed to conforming to the kingdom. That's so good. That's so good. So it's a crisis in compassion and Christ, caring. That's it? exactly right. We we lack empathy yep. when we talk. We talk a good talk, yep. but when it comes down to sharing, yep. like like the time of Jubilee, where we have a radical redistribution of wealth, and we don't have a crisis of compassion because everybody is made level. 
When do we realize that the ground is level at the foot of the cross? Mm. It doesn't matter whether you're the wealthiest person in the world or whether you're the poorest person in the world. Everybody, when you come to Jesus, is level. Mm. And I think we struggle with that mm. in a capitalistic society where there's platonic dualism of over and under. Mm. 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 Brother, I need to give you another hour, man. We need to we need to get you back. Man, we can do this conversation again. again. I like man. talking to you, man. Likewise, my brother. Likewise. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for blessing us, sharing with us um, your life, your ministry, uh, a history lesson uh, on our neighborhood, and a, a prophetic and theological calling uh, to be that seed that falls in the ground and dies. And bring, and bring forth, forth fruit. fruit. Amen. 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 Bless you, brother. Bless you, my brother. Right. Love being with you. Glad to have you. God bless. Amen. Neighborhoods are created territories. They don't spring up out of nothing. They don't just appear like Melchizedek. Neighborhoods are created by diverse and interlocking stories on multiple levels of human existence. There are individual stories of persons and families living in the community. There are organization level stories like the histories of local churches and businesses. There are policy and societal level stories like the passage of Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 or the constellation of policies that gave us the war on drugs. All these stories across all these levels, individual, organizational, community, national, all these things work together to create neighborhoods. And so neighborhoods are human ecologies. It becomes a church planter's task to understand that ecology by learning the stories that create the neighborhood. Then the faithful planter or pastor or Christian must find ways to insert the old, old story of the gospel into the neighborhood ecosystem. And we hope this episode has encouraged you to get to know the stories of your place and to find ways of articulating the gospel where you live. We have something to say, a new story, a divine story that changes all of these other stories that creates our neighborhoods. Thank you for joining Around the Block. We hope you'll swing back around the block for our next episode as we continue to explore the gospel ecology of Washington, D.C. God bless and keep you. <laughs>